Okay, so now we are actually coming towards Yud Shvat. Um, today is Yud Zayin Tevis, so we are, we, we are within the month. And we're focusing on the idea that there is a treasure that God is gifting the Jewish people, Dafkin now, now meaning right before the coming of Mashiach, because we need something to give us the power to make Mashiach come. And the Mimer is asking, what exactly is that treasure? And and I want to share the following. You know, we're reading in the Chumash now the story of the redemption. Shemois is the book in which it's called the book of Exodus. It begins with us going into Egypt, but it begins recording how we got out of it. And it's very insightful to, to focus on the details of how did we get out of Egypt in order for us to figure out better how to get out of this Golos. Different types of Galut, that was a physical Golos, we were slaves. Now we are enslaved because of certain ways of thinking and feeling. Thank God the world prior to Mashiach, at least for most people, compared to then, day and night, you can't compare. We're living in comfort, relative comfort, we're living in relative calm, but there's a very deep inner Golos, and we have to be freed from it. And how do we do that? And what is the treasure? So, I want to focus on one, one interaction that God had with Moshe Rabbeinu. So first of all, redemption comes by a certain persona. And whether it is the person Moshiach or Moshe, or as we'll focus, there is within us a spark of that. But let's speak about the person. God chose Moshe to redeem us. And when God appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah records a week in a few in a few lines, in a few verses. But there was a week dialogue, one Shavuot, one week, not W-E-A-K, W-E-E-K. And Moshe Rabbeinu pushed back. There are five points that he made, not all at once, arguing to God, you got the wrong guy, it's not me, pick someone else. And God responded to them. And these are very significant because that must mean that when God is telling me that I should redeem myself, my pushback, and there is always an inner pushback for whatever reason, but our 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 fear or uncomfortability or lack of willingness is going to be predicated on the points that Moshe Rabbeinu made. So it's very easy, Mamish, to find a corollary, a connection between the event of then and my life right now, especially as it relates to the bringing of Mashiach. So far, so good? One of the things that Moshe Rabbeinu told God is that I am not a communicator. Many people say he stuttered to me lack of my knowledge. I don't think, it doesn't sound to me like he stuttered. To me, it sounds more like there was a story that when he was very young and, and Padi was afraid that this brilliant child has the capacity of making a rebellion. The irony that Padi raised Moshe. And there was a time that he suspected him. And the Medrash writes the bigger picture. There was many more details, but it was some sort of magical, mystical test. He put the crown and he put coals. He put two glowing objects, something very valuable, something very damaging. And Moshe Rabbeinu went for the gold, and had he taken the gold, Pari would have used that as, aha, he is my enemy, let me nip it in the bud, God forbid, he would have killed Moshe. 
So when the angel pushed his hand and Moshe Rabbeinu grabbed the coals, child, all children, their nature is they put everything in their mouth. So when he grabbed the coals, especially his hands began to burn, he put it in his mouth and he burnt. Now if he put a red burning coal in his mouth, that leads us to understand that it wasn't just, I'm not minimizing people that stutter. I know that stuttering is an ailment that with, with therapy you can heal. I had in the yeshiva a friend that stuttered. Amazing. You would never know that. You, he speaks a little bit slower than, than most, which is a good thing. Many people speak too quick. But the speech impediment was of a physical nature. Something was burnt in his mouth. So if his tongue was burnt in a way that it did not heal properly, or his lips, or both, he was unable. When he spoke, you did not understand what he's saying. So it made a lot of sense for him to tell God, how can I be the one telling Pare this, telling the Jewish people that? I'm not the man of words. You got the wrong guy. Kvad was part of it. Right? Part of it. Same, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. In a different I think uh, the way I, the way I understand it, again, I'm saying this only perhaps, is that he has he had a physical ailment on his lips and on his tongue. It was there was something so damaged that he couldn't speak, and it didn't make sense. He he says it's not me, and God told Moshe, who put a mouth on men? How can anyone speak? If not for I, every person should have been mute. So you're telling me you can't speak? I'm sending you. I'll make sure that you could speak. That's the more or less almost verbatim back and forth between Moshe and God. And I mean, the obvious questions are, Moshe Rabbeinu did not know that God grants man a mouth. Moshe Rabbeinu did not know that God could have made him speak miraculously, which he ended up at a certain point, he miraculously got healed. He knew that. He believed in miracles. He was a miracle. God gave him other miracles then. There's a, ba- there's a lot to the back and forth that is way beyond what meets the eye. And let me give you the, the Al-Tarebbe's insight. And it's extremely powerful. And I would suggest that's one of the treasures that we have to deal with. And I'm going to say some things that you might have heard or not. If you're hearing this for the first time, it's almost a bit shocking. So here it goes. One of the topics that people like bringing up is the age of the universe. Ke'ilu, you guys think you have the truth, even though it doesn't say in the Torah that we are right now in year 5782, but the Jewish people, we mark Rosh Hashanah from creation. And we are right, and yes, the world turned to, you know, 5, 7, 82 years old a couple of months ago already. Rosh Hashanah, Tavshan, Pei Beis. And now we know with the, with the science that keeps on changing that the world is, I don't know, they say 15 billion years old or some very lengthy amount of time. The age of the universe topic is a very big topic. It's spoken about a lot by our sages. And let me give you some, some of this discussion, not to... Um, try to justify our position, but this is a topic that, that has been discussed way before the so-called Chachamim of the world, before they knew how to carbon date, before they hadn't, they had, when they at least were humble enough to admit they have no idea to the age of the universe. During that times, I'm speaking about now in the, in the 15th century, in the 14th century, there were big Mikubalim that put on paper something that was passed down orally. There was a book called the Book of Pictures. It's not, a, it's not a picture book. It's called Sefer HaTamuna. 
It's an old Kabbalah book. It was written around 200 years prior to the Ariza. The Alter Rebbe quotes from the Sefer Timuna that writes that we currently, we are in the second Shemitah cycle. What's a Shemitah cycle? Now in the Torah, Shemitah means a seven-year cycle. Six years work, one year rest. God, however you're going to word this, many times one year represents a thousand. Sometimes one day represents a thousand. The Sefer Atmuna says that there is cycles of 7,000 years. Mamash, like, like the weekday on Shabbos, like Shemitah, it's not seven, it's six and one. But we're speaking about 6,000 years and then there's the seventh millennium. Says the Sefer Atmuna that we are in the second cycle. Which is why the Torah begins with the letter Bez. He writes that clearly. He writes that there's, of course, he doesn't write there's one God, but I'm saying there's one God. He writes there's one Torah. But when the Torah comes into reality, it speaks the language of that reality. Of the second cycle. So he says that the Torah that was given to the first cycle began with an Aleph. The reason why our Torah begins with the word Bereshit, with a Bez, because it's the Torah given to, it's the Torah of the second cycle. And he says, he goes into a lot of details. He writes that every every cycle of Shemitah, just like every thousand years, represents or expresses a different attribute of the sixth and the seventh spheres. So always the first will be chesed. The first thousand years of our cycle, a lot of chesed means people were not worthy, people really misbehaved, but there was so much good. People lived long, people were healthy, there was parnas in abundance, even after the curse of Adam. All of the challenges began in the second one. That's Gevura. The Torah was given in the third one. And there's there's a lot that people are perhaps more familiar in correlating. Our now, this, we are now in the in the sixth thousand year. We're almost at the end. We're already 82. We're five. That means in, in, in 200 and, um, I don't know, 218 years, we finished the entire 6,000 years. And then we're going to enter the 7,000 years. Of the second cycle. So the Sefer Atimuna is the one that brings up about these cycles of the second cycle. Uh-huh. And then he adds and he says that just. Does it say when Mashiach is coming? Oh, no, Mashiach has to come. <laughs> no, it means, no, 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 no. It means, it means that in every, in every cycle, there are challenges that have to be overcome. And that cycle yeah. is brought into their perfection through their messianic era. But is, the second cycle is, you said, the first one was. First one is beyond, it means it's, it, there was a whole world beyond this world. There was another whole existence. There was a whole thing happening over here. The first one was Gvura, the second No, one the first one is Chesed. The first one is Chesed. Yeah. The second one is Gvura. And he writes, he writes that in the first cycle there was no Churban Beis Amigdash. Things went from good to better to better to better. There's the, all of the ideas in the Torah needed to happen. So there is also the coming of Mashiach that happened in the first cycle, but it wasn't to redeem us out of suffering. There was no suffering there. He writes from all of the cycles, the most difficult one to live through is the number is the second, because because it's Gevura. So listen, Gevura has a lot of upside. Is, it, is he talking about this world? Oh, 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 very good, very good, very good, very good. And then um, first, the Alter Rebbe quotes. Then he writes that just like we're in the second, the Sefer Atumona writes that there's going to be subsequently another five. There has to be because everything are cycles of seven, and that creates what we call Yoival which is one cycle of 50, and he writes it's going to be 50,000 Yoival cycles. Mm. 
It's not possible in with this Mashiach. World. One second. Come. No, 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 no. In every cycle, we begin without Mashiach, and we have to work our way up to come to our perfected state with the help of God, which culminates in the Messianic era. In every cycle of seven thousand years, the latest in the sixth millennium, Mashiach has to come before the seventh. There has to be a, a Mashiach moment that that upgrades, that substantially changes reality for the better, for everyone, beginning with the Jewish people. In every millennium, there's a Jewish people and God chooses the doors and there's a Beis Hamikdash. Comes the Arizal. Let me add one thing which will shed light. I'm going to answer some of your questions. Comes the Arizal and he quotes the Sefer Atmona and he says that in as much as Emes, with one caveat, that he argues with the Sefer Atmona and from the Arizal's argument, you can extrapolate your question. The only time this physical reality is in this cycle of 7,000 years. In the prior Shemitah, which means in the prior 7,000 years, there was a whole creation, a universe, not physical. In all of the subsequent Shemitahs and Yoivlis, there's going to be things happening, not physical. That is all makes the preciousness of our existence so much greater. Because he basically writes that the only time the truth of God is playing itself out all the way down to the physical is now. I brought up the age of the universe because the people, not Chabad, we we are very loyal to the Arizal. Other Jewish Chachamim who don't, um, who are not as loyal to the Arizal, they explain the reason why you have these fossils in the ground is because the Sefer Atmuna understood that the prior cycles were here. Were here. Something physical. Yeah. Physical. That means that there was a whole thing and then it got somehow it collapsed. The thousand years when it wasn't when it collapsed mm-hmm. and then it restarted. Mm-hmm. The Rebbe strongly does not side with that, but that's not just our Rebbe, that's all of the Hasidic masters, beginning with the Holy Baal Shem Tev, who always accept the ruling of the Arizal as the, the the truth. And by the way, the Rebbe writes, and I'm gonna, I don't want to speak about the age of the universe, but the Rebbe writes that following the Arizal, there was a prior universe. Just because it wasn't physical, it doesn't make it less, it makes it much greater. And for Hashem to show us that there was a prior existence, when he made the world 5,782 years ago, he made the world old, and he put in the ground remnants of a prior existence. So we should see a mirror of some spiritual truth. In other words, just because we hold like the Arizal that there wasn't life here prior to the creation of Adam, that's when it began. But since there were other lives, so they mirrored themselves, God made Mamash like an imprint, like we should know that there was something before but not physical. Okay, now we go to the next step. These are very important steps. Again, let's go with Arizal. We follow Arizal. There was a prior existence. Just because it wasn't physical, again, it doesn't make it less. It just makes the, the, this type of life very precious because there's, there's a lot going on and there's a lot that's going to go on and we're going to be there. But the only time we get to do it here is now. Mamish. And this is, this is the cycle of, that means that we're going through the hardest period, which is good to know that. It doesn't get harder than this. There wasn't COVID in the other cycles. There, there wasn't evil. There wasn't evil. There wasn't the Churban. It, it was more like it wasn't well, boring. It has to be something that 
very good so very good that's a good i just that our idea of the end of times is so the opposite of the way the foolish goyim foresee things getting so bad that we're just going to blow each other up things don't end because they blow each other because because it explodes we understand the end is that when you come to a certain level of perfection then you have to go to a higher level you 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 completed you completed your task and the third cycle will be what tiferet and it will still be as as this world of physicality according to that is no the only set, the only time that there's physical universe is this is this 6 and 7000 years so the next level which will, will be, be as more spiritual will, will be a very spiritual existence which will also have many levels which equalize to the fact that of Mashiach that we don't know what no Mashiach happens. has to come in every cycle in every cycle in every end of 7,000 years yeah, not end day. end is a tragedy I'm sure that in the other cycles it came way earlier he has to come within the 6,000 years but the plan of God the way it's written in the Gemara is that Mashiach should have come to be here for the last 2,000 years. We only have 200 years left. The Mashiach is not here yet. We're not revealed, however you want to word this. The Mashiach that we need is not yet in the world, the way we need him to be in the world. Gavura, it's a lot of Gavura. It's not happening. Now, listen to this idea, next idea. That that there was a prior world. It was a big thing, that prior world. Like this world, there was a whole history. And there were souls in those worlds. God made different souls for this world. But two times, God took a soul from the other world and he brought him over here. He took a neshama from the prior existence and he brought him into this existence. The first time was Chanoich. The Torah writes very little about Chanoich. I know Lahavdal, the Goyim, the Christians, they love Chanoich. They quote the book of Enoich and they knock away. And they stole everything from us, shamefully, shame on them. But but what we know about Chanoich and Kabbalah, it says in the Chumash, Vayit Halech Chanoich et Ha'elokim. Vayishalach Chanoich, that Chanoich walked past tense with God. Ve'einenu kilokach oto elokim. Chanoich from all of the great people that are recorded in the Chumash didn't live the thousand years. The Altareb explains that Chanoich walk with God means that Chanoich was here last time in the last cycle. No one in this world is, no soul is from the last cycle. But the world was going into a direction that was so corrupt, so bad, so evil, that God foresaw that if he's not going to introduce one soul from this prior world here, there will be no option other than completely destroying this world. Now, Chanoich succeeded not by getting everyone to do tshuva. The light that Chanoich brought into the world was so amazing that it allowed for there to be one family, Noyach and his wife and his three sons and their wives who were saved from the flood. And because of them, all of the animals and all of the, the other living beings that God created, that God did not want to destroy, so Chanoich succeeded in his mission. Is the world was going in a terrible direction and you couldn't just bring in a tzaddik you needed to bring in a being that came from a mamash a different world on the shama from the previous cycle 
Second time says the Alter Rebbe was Moshe Rabbeinu. Bela has her hand up. I don't know if she wants to ask something. I do. Uh, go ahead. Um, you said that it's not the same souls, but all the neshamas that came into the world are, are that's all we have. That's, we only have a limited amount of neshamas that, in the world. So you're saying they're not the same souls in that? No, no. Certain souls are brought down in a cycle? I'm just confused. In other that. words, in other words, there's two things. There's the neshamas that God created when God created this cycle. We all belong to those souls. And then, again, according to the Alter Rebbe, based on the teachings of the Arizal, that there were two times in human history where a soul from, a, from, the, from the prior cycle was brought here because we needed that type of neshama without, without which things would not go the way God needs for them to go. Chanoich and Moish. Moish Rabbeinu was the second neshama. Moish Rabbeinu was brought here from a different existence. Kimin hamayim mishisiu that she drew him out of water means, according to that, is all that he came from that prior existence, not physical existence. Oh. And that's why Moshe, we, ne- we, we, we will never have another Moshe. The Torah was given once, it never needs to be given again. So to bring the Torah here, you needed to have a soul that did not come from here. And here comes, here comes the big idea. The big idea is that when Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to speak, I'm not talking physically, the Medrash doesn't contradict. He had an impediment, he had something was burnt or he stuttered. There is a certain, there is a certain knowledge that we have now that is so outer-worldly that we are unable to put it into words. Say it again. There's a certain level, there's a certain light, there's a certain knowledge that even people like us have access to, but relative to everything else we know is so lofty, so high, that we are unable to word it. One of the reasons why, why infants don't talk, according to Kabbalah, it's not because they didn't learn how to talk. It's because they, they still have access to such lofty knowledge. They, 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 they still see things that are so exalted. They are things that, are, that cannot be put into words. There is an expression in the Zohar that speech is called katnut. Katnut means little. Pre-speech is greatness. And every time you take an idea, and it doesn't matter how clear you speak, as much as you are able to communicate, much more was diminished or completely concealed for you to be able to put it into words. So it's a... It's a form of tzimtzum. Speech is the greatest form of tzimtzum. I don't think we are aware yet enough of how much tzimtzum that happens almost effortlessly because God gave us that power. But we have to do a lot of tzimtzum to put things into words. It's very important to be aware of that because certain people are very dominant, they're very, they're very articulate, they're very good. And like some people, whenever whenever we have a debate, you always win. 
Bechlal doesn't mean that that person is right, ever. It means nothing. It really means nothing. It means that in the, wor- in the world of words, that person is advanced. But the, the world of words is a very low world compared to the world that comes beyond words. Words. The, thought, the, the, the ideas, let's call that light, is so great that all of us, even now, we have access to ideas. We are just unable to word them, not because we lack the capacity of speaking properly, because they are beyond what goes into words. Moshe Rabbeinu was brought here because he came from another world that was much greater than this world. Those ideas, that light, whatever it is that he came with, he tells God, what good is it that I'm in a body here? These are concepts that are unspeakable. They cannot come into words. And God told Moshe that I'll make a miracle for you. You're right. I brought you here because you have to bring into this world something way beyond. You know, I don't want to speak in Hasidus, but the Goyim Lahavlam, but the Superman or they're from a different planet. These ideas they stole from us, that there is a concept of someone coming from a whole different place. Not his body, he was born to his parents, but the neshama of Moshe was different than any other neshama. And he told God, Yashakoyach, now what? I know, I, he knew that there's something about him that is different than everyone else, but that is not something that could be verbalized, and if it cannot be verbalized, we will not benefit from it. And the process of redemption, according to this, is the gift that God gives us to verbalize that which otherwise is unverbalizable, if that's a word. I would say that to a certain degree, all of us know, if anyone did over here, went to therapy. What what happens is, is that there are certain feelings or ideas that people have either they imposed upon themselves, that's something I can't share, or they are unable to share it, but there's a, a real inner redemption that happens when people put ideas and feelings into words. It brings an inner redemption. And there's always ideas and feelings that people are uncomfortable to bring into words. And if you are if you tap into the Moses within you, because I want to get to that, the Alter Rebbe argues that every Jew has a spark of Moshe Rabbeinu within them. That means that we have access to that soul. We have within us a little spark of a soul that came from the first 7,000 years. Which is, some, which is something extremely powerful. And the reason why we are not accessing it is because we're not trying to access it. And when we touch it, we can't bring it down. We can't gap these two words. We can't bridge these two worlds. They're too distant. Every time you have a, an idea... And you, and, you, and you speak it and you develop it, you're bringing into the world some of that light. And that's part of the redemptive process. And that's actually why the oral Torah is much longer than the written Torah. Because when Moshe Rabbeinu gave the written Torah, he gave the oral Torah. I don't know how, but we had it, but it wasn't yet in words. And over thousands of years, we gave words to it. We didn't add one drop of the Torah. All of that was there, but it wasn't worded yet. So what benefit is there if it's put in words? Because when all of the Torah is verbalized, that is Mashiach. When I 
figure out how to properly express my deepest ideas and feelings, that brings to me an inner redemption. It brings an inner redemption. And when God's inner thoughts and feelings are verbalized, which is the Torah, it brings a godly redemption. It brings a collective redemption. And the treasure, I think, is Pashat, like the gift God gave Moshe. I think that in the prior generations, people were unable to articulate certain things. Some of it is because of the Chachman that developed by the Goyim, whether it is Freud or other therapists that Pasha directed people speak about it. Obviously, it's much more than that. But I'm saying we're living in a generation where we are valuing the importance of, of, of you know, speak up, speak. Say your truth. I mean, the Goyim stole all of this and they corrupted it. But when you have a, an idea, especially if it's lofty, and especially if it feels outerworldly, or if you have a feeling that doesn't seem to fit, redemption comes when you when you word it. What would you say is the oral Torah was giving, and it was there. So we had the ability, and we had, we had the light, we had the knowledge, we have, but we didn't have the words. Do it, but it, it passed through generations, right? So yeah. we did it. That's why that, that's why Mashiach is coming. So it's not that we don't know. We know. Deep down we know. Deep down we know. Uh, every, and we did it. We did it for, for many years. There's obviously there's the final there's the final there's the final step. We're almost there. Like really almost there. But what happened a lot was according to this model is that the treasure is is that we have within us some light or some soul that doesn't even belong to this world. And the way we draw it down is by expressing it through speech. And that was a very insignificant back and forth. And many people feel that they are unable to speak. Everyone in their personal goals, every person will relate to that. I'm trapped in this relationship or in that whatever because did you, did you, did you express, did you speak it? I can't. There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a pushback, there's gonna be a consequence that you think won't be positive. Redemption comes about with speech. The word Mashiach means a talker. Lasuach, mm-hmm. to speak. Speaking, which is the greatest act of tzimtzum, is the bridge that touches something that is beyond the world and it brings it into the world. And it's not the easiest process. The idea is a very easy idea, but for people to actually talk is very difficult. I would say that most people spend most of the time making an effort not to speak. And, and there's, there are other sides to the coin. There's a beautiful Talmudic say, saying that if, if, one, if, if one word is worth a sela, mili, besela, shtuke, silence is Recording worth two. Recording in progress. That's a great expression. That's, that's an expression advocating for people not to talk that much. That ever once asked someone to speak in a certain setting, and the person countered by telling the Rebbe, quoting this statement in the Gemara, that mili besela shtuke betrei, that's Aramaic. A mila, mila is a sela, shtika is a treslaim. So the Rebbe right away told him, yeah, but silence, you can only be silent once. Talk, you can talk a lot, a lot of words, and then they add up, they become more than two. in our homes to make sure that our children feel comfortable to speak. We should be comfortable to speak and speak something inner, not speak something fake. The more people speak what's really going out out inside of them, the closer they are coming to their personal redemption. 
it's not related only to speak of limud of Torah. It begins with it begins with limud Torah, but it never ends there. So it's also in personal life. Also in personal life. Also when it comes to learning Torah, this idea that the Rebbe began that it used to be that if you were not the greatest scholar, I remember when I grew up, who are you to write down your Torah innovations? You're no one. The Rebbe wanted that every yeshiva, everyone should write once a year, twice a year, their own novelties. The Rebbe promoted that. And, and, it's, and it's great. How many stories do you have of by mitzvah boys that would meet the Rebbe in Yechidus and the Rebbe, and, and this is going way back where everyone said this uh, pilpul. A pilpul is you give like some sort of Talmudic discourse. So this guy says he went into the Rebbe, he was 13, he was terrified, and the Rebbe asked him to share the pilpul, and he asked a question, and he quoted this one answer and that one, and the Rebbe says, and what's your answer? So it sounds like, you know, in the world of Torah, no one thought that way. Like, who are you to have an answer? No, what's your answer? What's your answer, meaning what's your opinion? What's your opinion? How do you understand it? Who do you go with, or who do you more relate to? Who do you relate to, give an insight? In other words, speaking your thoughts and feelings about Torah is part of the redemptive process. Because there is within us something that's extremely lofty, and the only way it comes into the world, the bridge is speech, dibur. And Moshe Rabbeinu, because of the loftiness of his ideas, they were so beyond, you couldn't put it into words. So he almost like he didn't need a mouth. So his mouth got injured. And God says, no, you, you are the one that needs the mouth. Those ideas have to be brought into words. And we all have all of that. Any, any couple, ask a couple, when is the couple in a better place? When they are able to share the truth. Ask them. When they communicate the emes, they can, you can communicate, real communication means when they are in a place where they can express to each other what they're really thinking and really feeling, that's good. That means there's a redemption there. There's a connection there. And the moment there is an inhibition on the speech, there, there is a goal. Or lahavdal in this country, right? one of the values that, that America was based on is freedom of speech. It's a very important concept, freedom of speech. Because if you want to be free, that means if you want to live in a Geula Dika life, there has to be a freedom of speech. Now, the freedom of speech should be used for good things, to tap into your neshama, to tap into something ruchniyazdik, to tap into ideas and to express them and to expound upon them. And not, it should be abused for things that are not good, 100%. But the concept of a person feeling free to speak is a part of the Geula Dika, of the Geula in the beginning, and it's part of our Geula with Mashiach. Thus, Mashiach is called the speaker. Mashiach. Mashiach has a few names, I heard. Right? Mashiach has many names. Right. So Mashiach also the... means many things. Mashiach means the anointed one, but the concept of to speak, his power will be, he'll be a communicator. But I don't mean that in the way that he'll have a very good oratory skill. That's not the meaning of Mashiach. It means that he will have the courage to speak certain truths. He'll say the emes. Hopefully he'll speak nicely also. Rabbi, that is so profound. Thank it's you. so deep. You know, because any kind of personal recovery, there are programs that are called No More Secrets. And it's about it's about being able to express oneself instead of letting the shame Correct. which is a character defect comes Mom. from character defect inside of us. It's it's so huge. It's so 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 huge. Correct. Thank you, Gary. It's amazing. I think, I think the beauty of, of this 
is, is that when the Alter Rebbe learned the Chumash, everything becomes relevant. In other words, of course, there was a Moshe Rabbeinu that lived, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, it's, but it goes much more than that. But this is my story. An hour, an hour pushback. Why am I not redeemed? Because I hesitate to speak. The Emes. I hesitate to express what I'm really thinking and what I'm really feeling. And that's what Moshe told God. And he, got, he had the best excuse. He says, my tongue is missing. We say, if I'm going to say this, that person will be angry at me or that is going to happen. You begin to make up uh, fears and they're, in most cases, they're not founded. And even if there is a pushback, it's important for people to live a life in which there is no inhibition for them to speak, to express their ideas and their feelings. That's a redeemed person. And that will be part of the world in the Messianic era that we are bringing in. And by the way, it's a lot better now than 100 years ago when you speak about Geula being a process. There's no doubt about that. 50 years ago, these ideas, even what you just mentioned, people for people to get together and they should speak out what they are most ashamed of. And these, these were unheard of the therapies that no one ever did. And whoever undergoes these, these programs, they mamash feel redeemed. It's mamash a Geula. Certain things that are trapped gets released. But it doesn't end only with negative. I think it, I want to go back to what Oranit was saying. It has to do with the fact, I want to go back to Torah. Torah is the ultimate bridge between God and the world. And every Jew, this is men, women, children, we all, when you learn Torah, the same verse, you will have an insight that only you can have. Say it. Don't feel, ah, if it's something smart, someone said it before me. First of all, maybe not, and you'll say it differently. And that's how you bring the light. Like Torah Shabbat Peh was took 2,000 years for it to be written. Mamash. And it doesn't stop. And all of that was given to Moshe, but it was not put into words. So the process of the Torah being given began with Moshe, but it doesn't end with Moshe. The process of the redemption began with Moshe, but it ends with us. It didn't end with Moshe, it just began there. And Moshe Rabbeinu was miraculously healed, and he became... Imagine the greatest communicator of all times. The power that he had, just when he spoke, millions of people heard him without a microphone. It went like from not being able to speak, not having the physical tools, certainly other impediments, for him having a koyach. And I think that's the way it is today. When someone says the truth, sometimes everyone becomes silent and everyone listens because they say, ah, 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 this is it. It's amazing. And we all have some truth that has to come into the world and we have to get over our inhibition and our excuses and we have to, we have to express it. So that's, that's the treasure that we have to use to bring Moshiach and to be continued.